Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Thursday, July 27th starts now. On today's show, Ben's going to be talking UFOs, secret government documents, who better to have for this episode than Think Theory Radio's Damian Perdue. The Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. If there's something in Chicago that's top notch, you're going to find out about it at ChicagoReader.com. And if you like Ben Jarofsky, head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Lies, 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 and More Lies Thursday, and here's why. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with my distinguished guest who's patiently awaiting, okay? He's not the lies. Just, just want to let him uh, know that. Uh, so, first of all, I want to give a, a shout-out to a uh, longtime friend, uh, Chris Adams, who, in his own way, influenced me uh, to do this show today, one of the great uh, movie directors in the city of Chicago. Uh, Chris, shout-out to you. Thank you for uh, directing me in this way. Okay, so while I was uh, doing yesterday's show, uh, talking about Trump, Trump, Trump with uh, Monroe Anderson, very much real in the world, like, in the ongoing real world that exists now uh, in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the MSNBC, Fox, that world, there were hearings in Congress on UFOs. Actually, they're not called UFOs anymore. They're called Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. I can't believe I got that right, ladies and gentlemen. I was dreading having <laughs> the dyslexic in me was going, don't screw it up, Ben, don't screw it up, Ben. So they had to hear it. I didn't even know these hearings were going on. Uh, shout out Chris Adams for informing me. And I have since subsequently done the deep dive. So we all know what UFOs are. No need to uh, to identify what a UFO is. They now call them something else. I'll get into that with my distinguished friend, why they changed the name. But anyway, so this is one of the few examples, these hearings of bipartisanship in Congress these days, like both the Republicans and the Democrats uh, were working together in this hearing, like they weren't using the hearing as an opportunity to pound one party or the other. They weren't using like an investigation in uh, to Donald Trump's bad maneuvers to like sling mud and Hunter Biden or vice versa. It was like, no, they joined together. And it's probably because they neither side has figured out a way to like slam the other with UFOs yet, although they're probably working on it as we speak. Anyway, so in the um, in the course of the hearing, it was established uh, that there are, I would call them credible, uh, credible witnesses to the fact that there are unexplained phenomena in the sky. 
you know, and uh, when I say they're credible, like they had careers in the military, careers in the government, they're scientists, they made a living at this kind of stuff. All right. So I would call that credible. Or right? you may just disagree with me, some of you out there, uh, but I would say uh, they were uh, credible. And there was this one exchange that I must illustrate uh, because it kind of shows exactly <laughs> why no one believes anything uh, government says anymore. All right. So this is coming from a New York Times story that I read. I, so I watched the video of this. I read several news accounts. And the New York Times is very much dedicated to the notion that this is all kind of a lark. Okay, like there's something weird about this. This is not in the real world where Donald Trump is like robbing us blind or, you know, uh, foisting all kinds of uh, conspiracy theories onto a hapless public that soaks it up. They kind of treat this like it's an amusing little lark. And um, so in this story about yesterday's hearing, it's this is account of David Grush, a former intelligence officer. OK, he was testifying. He worked with the Pentagon's task force. I'm looking and I'm reading the New York Times story into unidentified aerial phenomena, which is how the government often refers to UFOs. Mr. Grush or Grush, I don't know how he pronounces it, in sworn testimony to the committee said that the long-standing covert programs within the U.S. government possess materials of non-human origin that were taken from crash sites. Got that? Like they actually have materials from the site. They have like things that they've gathered from the crash sites. And he says, quote, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program to which I was now uh, to which I was denied access, Grush said, using an abbreviation for unidentified aerial phenomena. The enterprising New York Times reporter then turned to the Pentagon for comment. And here's what she wrote. A Pentagon spokeswoman Susan Guff said in a statement that the Defense Department took for task force does not have any. And here's the quote does not have any, quote, verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently, end of quote. I urge each and one of you to go track down that quote and read it and tell me what it says. I urge each and every one of you to read that quote <laughs> and pierce through just the gobbledygook of a Pentagon spokesman and tell me, are they denying they had the stuff? Uh, are they saying that uh, Rush is an absolute insane lunatic who has no claims on reality? Are they just sort of talking in and around in circles? I think it's the latter. They're talking in and around of circles because what? I have no idea why they're talking in and around circles. I'm bombarded with that so much in my day-to-day -day life as I try to follow, just on the local level, what's happening here in Chicago. Or like the classic case, Northwestern. I've been following this one for a while, the Northwestern football hazing scandal, where they put out a report, absolute gobbledygook. It's the most unclearly written document you could find. <laughs> and it's like, was there hazing? Was it? Like threatening to the people who were hazed? You, no, you, you can't understand because it's just gobbledygook. So do you have leftover residue of materials, residual materials left over from these crashes? Or don't you have it?
gobbledygook, blah, 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 blah. So then we get to the part of the hearing, and this probably is my favorite part because it uh, really ties into what, so much what I do here in the city of Chicago. They're talking about funding, and uh, they're talking about funding the programs. Well, I'll just read you this story. Uh, this story is from the Los Angeles Times. The former U.S. intelligence official said he led Defense Department efforts to analyze reported UAP sightings and was informed of multi-decade Pentagon program that endeavored to collect and reconstruct crash UAP. So there is a program. There is a federal program that isn't set up to collect crash leftovers. Asked by Congressman Jared Moskowitz from Florida how such a program is funded, Grush claimed that the effort is, quote, above congressional oversight and bankrolled by, quote, a misappropriation of funds. To which the congressman asked, does that mean that there is money in the budget that is set to go to a program, but it doesn't and it goes to something else? And the answer from Grush, yes, I have a specific knowledge of that, though he did not provide more details, claiming the information remains possible. I had to laugh out loud, ladies and gentlemen, because that's one on one of budgeting in the city of Chicago. Reduce it to the city of Chicago. Ever heard of the TIF program, ladies and gentlemen? Ever heard of tax increment financing? As soon as I start talking like this, everybody in the city of Chicago goes, there he goes. It's like I'm the nutcase. It's like I'm the guy talking about UFOs when they talk about TIFs. I go, there he goes again with that nutty TIF talk. Hey, I'm not the one who lies about the TIF program. I'm not your property tax bill that says your money's going to schools when it really it's being sliced off and sent to a bank account, which is controlled by the mayor. I'm not the one who came up with that. I don't lie to you every year that when you get your tax bill. I remember when I discovered that the tax bill lied. I was like mm, 20 years ago. It's been a lot while. It was very early on in my TIF discoveries. I'm like, oh, my God, when I reveal this, this will blow mine. This will blow the mind of the citizens of Chicago. And, of course, it didn't blow their minds because it's like, I don't know. They're not paying attention. Yeah, this is kind of funny, man. This is a whole other thing. When it comes to property taxes and TIFs, people are like, I don't know. It's just so complicated and convoluted. I cannot possibly understand it. Uh, but what it's like other things that I just find really difficult to understand, they, like mobster characters. You know, when they talk about mobster characters, well, all the nicknames and this one and that. I'm like the waiter and the clown and no-nos. And like all the reporters are eagerly like talking about them. Like it's the easiest thing in the world to follow. Well, how come tips, the thing I'm into is hard to follow and mobsters with weird nicknames is easy to follow? Nah, because I think they want you to concentrate on the one so you don't want to pay attention to the other. So it turns out they got this giant TIF program funding space research or funding UFO research. <laughs> hey, Moskowitz, forget the UFOs. Bring the congressional hearing to Chicago. Let's do an exploration on off-the-book programs that we have here in the city of Chicago. Anyway, the bottom line is this, folks. Your, your government either doesn't tell you the truth or they cloud the truth in language that no one knows what they're talking about, or they hide the truth, or they mock and malign anybody who's looking for the truth. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why nobody, or one of the reasons, nobody believes anything that your government says. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring along a distinguished guest who very patiently listened to that tirade. Uh, and uh, I think he may have made sense of it. And an old friend of mine, uh, Damien Perdue, host of Think Theory Radio. Welcome back, Cotter, to the show. 
<laughs> Thank you, sir, for having me on. Yes. Uh, and uh, I when I got the info from uh, Chris, Again, thank you, Chris. And I took the deep dive uh, into yesterday's hearings. I immediately felt I had to call you um, because I know you follow this stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, so why don't you take a brief moment to promote your radio show, and then we'll take the deep dive onto UFOs. Take it away. Uh, my show is called Think Theory Radio. It is Saturday night, 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, am I allowed to say the, the radio station? <laughs> ben? <laughs> it's uh, on Ben's uh, alma mater radio station, uh, WCPT 820 AM. Yes. Uh, also available in podcast form on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Just look up Think Theory Radio. Yes, uh, WCPT, otherwise known as WC. You later, Ben. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, and they fired me a few years ago, but I've gotten over it. No, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, so when I had a radio show uh, at that aforementioned station, uh, Damon was a frequent guest, uh, and we'd like to take the deep dive on all sorts of topics uh, that don't usually get explored uh, in the mainstream media, to, to put it mildly. Uh, so I have a bunch of them I want to talk to you about, but I'm going to start with uh, these hearings uh, that took place yesterday. Um, what do you think the purpose of the hearings is? I mean, do you think that Congress really wants to explore what the government has, uh, what they're keeping from us, or do you think what? I don't. What other motives could they possibly have for having uh, these hearings in the middle of the summer, a very hot summer in in twenty twenty three? Well, I mean, it's it's been uh these hearings are kind of a culmination of the past couple of years. Um, there was, it's kind of interesting because it all got exposed by a, I don't know if want to call it a company or a, it, it's called to the stars Academy, right? It's, it's run by Tom DeLong from blink 182, the, the, the rock band or whatever you want to call it. And some supposedly ex CIA and, and Pentagon officials, although there's some questionable uh, background information on some of these characters. And back in uh, was it 2017, through the Freedom of Information Act, uh, it could be wrong in the year, but it's around that time, um, they got their hands on the Navy pilot uh, footage of these, of these different uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, right? So because they were able to obtain this footage, they put it out in the public. Now, now you had certain members in Congress like, wait, what's what is this? What's going on? Um, so in 2021, uh, they were told that Congress told the Pentagon they would have to release their, you know, some kind of findings by June of 2021. Right. So they did that. Yeah, it wasn't really much in there, at least from, you know, what they released to the public. A lot of it was redacted. A lot of it was just, hey, this is weather balloons, blah, 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 you know. Um, but th so the last couple of years, every summer, pretty much around this time, there's been a release of information. And then this year, I believe, was the first kind of major panel um, in in the way, and that's mainly because of this whistleblower, this Grush Grush guy, right? And so I think, I mean, I, I believe that there are people in Congress, I'm sure, that are interested in you know what's going on. 
but it could, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of it has to do with, you know, why has the government been spending money on this? See, there was this program, um, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Research Task Force, whatever it's called, they changed the name several times. Um, it was actually started by Harry Reid, if you remember uh, the Senate Majority Leader, um, in 2007. And it was a secret program that wasn't revealed until later, until like 2014, but supposedly ended in 2012. Um, now, this goes back. I mean, this was in the 1950s. They had a, a UFO research program called Project Blue Book. Uh, every couple of years, they kind of changed the name. They, you know, reroute the funding, you know. And what you were talking about earlier, you know, like the, uh, the the parallel to TIF money, they basically call it like tar dark money or uh, black projects. And these are, you know, federal funding that goes into these kind of programs that, that the public and Congress doesn't even know about. Right. And there's a lot of these. Um, DARPA has a big uh, kind of uh, foothold in that kind of thing. I don't know if you're familiar with DARPA. It's the Defense Advanced Research Program Agency. Um, and they develop, all, like GPS was it basically created by DARPA um, and many other, you know, many other technological advancements. Um, so this is something that's been going ongoing. And I think it's something that like, for the most part, Congress kind of just was like, I don't care. Like, this is not real you know, UFOs, you're crazy, right? Um, little by little, once you start having, you know, the footage of these UAPs from Navy pilots, um, there was actually one released earlier this year that was the first UAP footage filmed by a drone, by a military drone. And it's some kind of orb. You can see like this orb streaking by the camera. Um, so I think now that, you know, there's like what they deem as, you know, credible, um, especially with like the whistleblower coming out. Now they're taking it seriously. So uh, I think you put this into my mind. Um, there's something on the footage. So I, I've uh, the, the Tic Tac uh, video, which looks like a Tic Tac. I'm doing everything I can not to call it Tic Tac. Uh, dyslexia, dyslexia is no joke. Uh, and that's the one that's been shown a lot. Uh, you can see it on, uh, just, uh, go to YouTube, ladies and gentlemen, you can see it. Then you can see interviews that people give about it. The, the pilot who saw it, uh, is interviewed about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you put this in my mind. I want you to answer this question. So uh, the government is either, either has evidence that it's sort of concealing of, unidentified uh, flying objects, that is, things they have absolutely no idea where they come from, what they represent, uh, could be from Mars, all right? Or it's something they've cooked up, some kind of mm -hmm. weapon they're testing, and they're trying to keep it secret, like they kept the explosion of the atomic bomb, we'll get to that in a little while, <laughs> secret, uh, in New Mexico. And so they don't really know how to deal with it you get what i'm saying they don't want to relive re reveal they have this weapon they don't want to reveal that their own pilots videotaped a weapon that they didn't even know those pilots didn't even know about so it's their thing that they're concealing mm -hmm. what's your thoughts 
I mean, that's kind of about one, I'm, you know, I always like will say on my show, I'm a skeptical believer. I mean, my, you know, of course I would love it to be aliens. You know, I'm a sci-fi nerd. Like that would be the most amazing thing. Like, you know, beam me up, Scotty. But, <laughs> you know, but uh, my realist side, my pragmatist side says, yeah, it's probably government technology. It's probably some military tech. Um, now, I, it's somewhat conspiratorial. Uh, I can take it back to uh, there's a belief that the Nazis were working on a kind of these this type of technology where they didn't need jet thrusters. Um, it's it works with a they call it like a Taurus engineering. It's I don't want to get into all the specific mechanics of it, but they believe that they you know. They were working on this technology. I don't know if you're familiar with Foo Fighters, not the not the rock band, but where they got the name from. It's uh, in the in the World War II, the a lot like hundreds of pilots, right? Not just from the United States, but the Allies, even some Nazi pilots, reported seeing these floating orbs near their near their planes. And when it would come near their planes, they would uh, the instruments would go haywire, right? They nicknamed them the Foo Fighters um, because they didn't know what they were. Now, when uh, World War II is ending, right, there's Operation Paperclip, which brings over like 1,500 Nazi scientists to the U.S. Werner von Braun is one of the main ones, and he's one of the guys that helped start NASA because he created the the V-6 rocket, right? So he helped us get to the moon. Um, my my, This is, you know, and I know it's getting a little out there, a little fringy, but my belief is that he was studying this kind of technology, this this kind of um, non-rocket type of technology, if you want to call it that, that can maneuver in the air kind of willy-nilly and kind of, you know, it like seems to defy physics. And he also brought that over here. Okay, not just the V6, but what he was working on. Because if you look at like a lot of the the reports of when this type of ufo started happening was really after he came over it was what roswell was in 1947 which was when he came over um, a lot of the reports in, was really in the 1950s when you really started hearing flying saucers and stuff like that so you know fast forward to today um i think this is something that they've they've had in their back pocket that they've been working on maybe they haven't been able to figure out how to weaponize it uh, maybe it's something they use to, you know, maybe maybe it's what developed drone technology. I don't know. Right. But I, I just feel like, you know, what's what's Occam's razor. You know what I mean? It's like the most likely explanation is what it is. And so that's kind of what I believe, that it's probably military tech or some kind of, you know, advanced program like, you know, and they could say, well, yeah, the, you know, the Pentagon doesn't admit to it. Or why wouldn't the military? Why wouldn't these military pilots know about it? Well, because there's all kind of technology that they don't allow them to know about if you're not in it in the program. Well, it just get back to the funding. Just yeah, mm -hmm. the funding, in the testimony that I read earlier, he he couldn't explain. None of them could explain the funding. So yeah, yeah. If you want to keep something secret, you keep the funding source secret, and then you actually seek to keep the project secret itself. So I understand why the Navy pilot pilots who saw the stuff. Uh, we're unaware of the program that existed that created mm -hmm. it. Uh, so my question to you is why the secrecy? Let's say you're correct. 
let's say in this theory uh, yeah. that this is actually technology that is being developed by the United States government. Uh, and uh there are people who run the program that know what it is, uh, the, and the people who run the Pentagon probably know what it is, I hope. Uh, why are they keeping it a secret from us? Uh, well, there could be a couple different reasons. I mean, one, uh, and this gets, you know, kind of conspiracy theory. To, it's hard It's hard not to get into conspiracy theories when you're talking about UFOs, but um, it could be that they're using it as some kind of distractive technique. Um, it could be that they're using it maybe to run experiments on people, you know? I mean, and then it's like, okay, if we're, you know, we're making people believe they were abducted by an alien, no one's going to believe them when they tell them there were all these tests were happening, right? Now, you know, people, well, that sounds crazy, but let's not, you know, forget the government has done tests on like the Tuskegee experiment, um, Operation Sea Spray, where they literally sprayed bacteria into the air in San Francisco back in the 1950s, you know, just to see what would happen to people, right? So it's just not, you know, beyond the realm of possibility that the government would do secret testing on people. Um, so there's that possibility. The other possibility is that they haven't figured out how to weaponize it. It's some kind of technology that, yeah, it flies around, it can do all kinds of maneuvers, but they can't bomb anybody with it. They can't, you know, there's there's nothing militarily strategic for it, you know, except for maybe spying on people or something like that. Or that could be the other possibility. This is spy tech. This is something that CIA is using. And, you know, I mean, we know the CIA has plenty of secrets that they're not going to let out, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe this is something they're using. This is some kind of, you know, spy drone and they just don't want anybody to know. All right. Let's get to uh, the uh, non-denial denial gobbledygook that I quoted. I'm going to read back to you uh, and then I want you to decipher what it means. OK, I want you to play me. Usually I'm the one who's trying to decipher the gobbledygook that uh, the government puts out. Uh, so, again, um, this comes in response to an allegation from David Grush or Grush, whatever it is, the former intelligence official who worked with the Pentagon's task force. Uh, and uh, in sworn testimony, said that the longstanding covert programs within the U.S. government possess materials of non-human origin that was taken from crash sites. OK, and here is, again, the official response from this Pentagon space uh this was spokeswoman quote uh the defense department does not have any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently verifiable information to substantiate claims what the hell is she saying uh, uh <laughs> please help me with that I mean, it's just lawyer speak, you know, it's uh, I will neither confirm nor deny type of statement, you know, um, it's just a way to like not admit to anything, but not, you know, uh, deny it. Like, you know, we don't have any verifiable information, um, which what does that exactly mean? Like you're saying, it's it's kind of just a, you know, like. It's it's lawyer speak. That's the way I look at it. It's just kind of like, yes, this witness, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I can't really 
put a definition on it, but it's essentially, I'm sure somebody prompted her like, okay, what can we say that will, you know, plausible deniability kind of thing, you know? Let's say they have a hubcap. Okay, let's say the the I'm just going to put this in something like like real language that everybody could see and understand. So let's say this spacecraft crashed and there was a hubcap mysteriously right. left behind in the middle of a desert that government researchers picked up and put it uh, in storage. Like they have no idea what it was, what it was a hubcap on. Was it a, they, they just found a hubcap? Yeah. So is she saying that they have the hubcap or is she saying <laughs> they don't have the hubcap? You know, what, what yeah. is it? Does the hubcap exist? Well, she's saying that she doesn't have any verifiable information that it exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it may or, you know, it's like it may or may not exist, but she doesn't know about it or the Pentagon supposedly doesn't know about it. Um, but this goes back. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of Bob Lazar. Um, he kind of was, he was the Grush guy of the 1980s. Okay. So area 51, you know, of area 51. Yeah. Right. So he was the one that whistled blue on area 51 back in the eighties. Um, and there's, he's been, there's, there's a Netflix documentary with him. Um, he basically said the same thing that he was working on uh reverse engineering recovered alien craft that he actually saw aliens in the facility um but even he'll say you know if, if you watch the documentary it's actually pretty good the documentary on netflix if you watch it he even says i don't know what i really saw or if what i saw was what they wanted me to see which is an interesting statement right now, the thing about Bob Lazar is they when he came out, you know, back in the 80s, they did a lot of, uh, you know, everyone you know, dug into his background. Right. And said, well, he said he went to college here, but there's no record of him going to college there. Um, you know, there's all this like, you know, um, everything he said isn't true. He didn't work for the government, blah, 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 blah. Right. Now, in this documentary, they they dig into some stuff and and basically find out kind of in a, a roundabout way, there is a a physics laboratory in uh, Texas, right? Um, Los Alamos, I believe, but, and they denied that he worked there, okay? But these investigators doing the documentary find a magazine article from back then where they interviewed all these people that worked at the facility and Bob Lazar was one of them, right? And then they also found an old telephone book where he was listed in there. And so his thing is like, well, why, you know, why would I be in this magazine interviewed if I didn't work there? How would I have gotten a job at a physics laboratory without a physics degree? Right. So there's some kind of covering up of his background. OK. Um, so honestly, I, I forgot why. <laughs> I got to that no, problem. I know exactly where you were getting at. And uh, there's. We'll put it to you this way. We all struggle with what's real and what's not real uh, in the world of exchanging ideas. So you and I briefly talked before we went on air about Robert Kennedy's campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, I happen to think it's a very dangerous campaign for many different reasons. Um, but there's always, even in the wackiest of, to many people, uh, theories that are put out there, there's like a kernel of truth. Right. 
Right. Okay. And uh, so in the case of Kennedy, uh, there's a, it's beyond a colonel. Like he's asking us to, it, it, this is the most benevolent interpretation I can have of it. He's asking us to think about the connection between big pharma and the products that it uses and the products that the government promotes, that there may right. be a profit motive in there. There may be, a, there may be a collaboration between government regulators, uh, government officials and big pharma uh, yeah. in much the same way that, here in the city of Chicago, we constantly trace the movement of people from corporate entities to the city of Chicago, where they promulgate programs that benefit the corporate entities uh, that they came from, et cetera, and so forth. So he's there's a kernel. It's beyond a kernel. There's there's some relevancy to sort of in general what he's saying. So going back to the UFO guy, they they definitely try to malign the people who are outspoken or upfront about it with, mm-hmm. using any information they can to make them look bad. Uh, and then what they're saying, well, well, there's some credit. This guy has some credibility. That's the point you were making. So right. uh, even in the wildest of accusations, there could be a kernel of truth. There should be some credibility in the part of the person. And uh, I completely uh, believe that. I think the point I'm making is that government undercuts efforts to understand the truth by not telling the truth or by shrouding the truth in the gobbledygook that I've been quoting throughout the day. And I see that in all levels of government. That's what I was, the point I was making, uh, Damien. And so, so now we have these uh, hearings in the UFOs. We're not even getting a straight answer. Right. is it a and joke? We, Is it, it, no, you won't even come out and say, it. go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I don't even know if we ever really will get the truth because it's like I said, it, it seems like it's every, you know, 10 or 20 years, something like this happens. You know, you had, like I said, Bob Lazar in the 80s. Um, you had, the, you know, uh, Tom DeLong, you know, whatever, 10 years ago. Now you have, you know, this Grush guy, um, you know, Harry Reid. Uh, Harry Reid was also financed by this uh, um this uh, business man, Robert Bigelow. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, Bigelow Industries, uh, aerospace, um, huge money, uh, realty. Like, and this guy's interesting. I mean, that, that that could go in a whole other tangent where he bought this place called Skinwalker Ranch where there's all this paranormal activity and UFO sightings. And he bought this whole ranch to do investigations on it. This other guy since then has bought the ranch and is continuing these investigations. Uh, a lot of weird stuff there, very kind of area 51 stuff, but, but anyway, there it just always seems to be this kind of somebody comes out, speaks about it. And then it kind of, you know, after a couple of years, people forget. And then it, you know, it gets swept under the rug. Um, and as far as like Congress getting involved, I mean, honestly, it's like, I, cause I always try to think, okay, what's like you were asking me earlier, what would be the point of hiding this or what's the point of point of it all really? Um, it could just be funding, you know, is this a way to just procure funding for space force? You know, like now we have, you know, these public hearings on UFOs while, you know, cause you know, the thing when space force came out, it was like, this is stupid. That sounds like it, one, it just sounds like a goofy movie. Um, <laughs> like, why are we having a, an army in space? Right. So now it's like little by little, we're getting these like reasons to have it. Okay. 
um, there was another the one of the generals of Space Force. He came out and said, we need to start, you know, because he's talking about how the Chinese have these satellites that can um, go to other satellites and hack them. They can do these space maneuvers to like steal satellites. So he's like, we need to prepare for space war with these other countries. Um, so now, you know, there's like this combination of things to like emphasize giving money to Space Force. So I, you know, I don't know. Be, if yeah. I don't know. It's a. Uh... That may be a stretch. Listen, I completely uh, I, I most of my study is Chicago. I have studied Chicago in just the greatest detail for 40 years. So I'm like, a, you know, Damien, it's like a weird thing to be an expert on, but I'm an expert on the deceit of Chicago officials and how they put out information in a way to to f- keep us from looking at what's really going on. Uh, so this is, this is what I've done. <laughs> you know, this, this is my life, Damien. I'm appealing for help. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I was called so I, like the shell game, you know, you know, the shell game. Say? Yes. The yes. Shell game, you know, it's like that. It's like, Hey, look over here, look over here. Exactly. Uh, I just wrote a column about this with Northwestern where this classic thing where they're just, they want you to just, just keep walking, keep moving, nothing going on here. Uh, And um, so I'm well aware that government will come up with all kinds of uh, bizarre reasons to get you to sign on to something that is really not in your best interest. So it could be be, the craziest conspiracy theory for it all is out there, but it's interesting. The whole UFO thing. Right, yeah, yeah. it's a psyop. It's a psyop. They call it psyop. It's psychological operation. Okay, and it's part of a plan to do a faked alien invasion. That they're going to use holographic technology combined with drones, and they're going to fake an invasion in order to kind of uh, create a one-world government. So basically, you know, the aliens would come down then you know, the leaders of the world would say, look, we need this is a common enemy we need to form together. Now, this is a real conspiracy theory that's out there. And, yeah. it, you know, like I said, it's very fringy, but I just wanted to float it out there. Well, that's it, interesting. Could the same government uh, it, that lies about your property tax bill in the statement they send to you come up with that? I think so. OK, I'm just saying <laughs> they lie in your property tax, people. Right. <laughs> Damien, I, I, I just have to say one more time, when I discovered that the property tax bill itself, the statement, the official statement that the government sends to you your gov- is a lie. I thought everyone would be outraged. And like the guys inside the daily administration were like, Ben, what are you worried about? Every government has an off the shelf funding. Stop it. Nobody cares. <laughs> you're, I'm like a lunatic. Your property tax bill is a lie. All right. Uh, let's move on to other lies. Um, we, there were so many things I wanted to come, uh, talk to you about. I, I don't think we're going to get to the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. We'll have to bring you back for that. Um, Oppenheimer, the movie, I'm obsessed with it on, for many different reasons. Uh, the big reason is it just blows my mind that this movie, uh, is like the number one movie in America, battling with Barbie for number one in America. Uh, I just, wow, I didn't see this coming. America getting interested uh, in the uh, uh, the man who led the effort to build the A-bomb. 
So uh, I I asked you, like I'm asking literally everybody I talk to these days, uh, have you seen Oppenheimer? And uh, your response, I'm paraphrasing, is no. And I <laughs> I have no intention. Uh, the guy was a douchebag. Uh, I don't know if you said bag. You may have just said douche. I humbly apologize <laughs> if I misquoted you. But I know I got the douche part right. Uh, and and I go, you're talking about the man who created the atomic <laughs> bomb. Uh, and then you pointed out something that um, I was unaware of. I, I always admit my ignorance, uh, Damien, because someone else is going to admit it anyway. So I might have beat him to the punch that there were people uh, in New Mexico so the program, the bomb was developed in uh, New Mexico in an area that, according to the New York Times movie reviewer, was uh, vacant, uninhabited. Uh, no, New York Times movie reviewer. <laughs> there were people there. They got kicked off their land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later they were radiated when they blew up the bomb, or the test bomb. They got radiated. And then the government, like, now you know why no one ever believes anything the government said. They make cheap them out on uh how much money they're going to pay them and this no, is not in the movie at all go ahead yeah and they were brown people oh big surprise right yeah uh, you know yeah. with the native indigenous ancestry um but also not just radiated from the bomb themselves but they worked in the facilities yeah you know these a lot of them were farmers they got forced off their land they're called hispanos and they got forced off their land and then you know basically like you know, imagine getting kicked out of your house and then the same person that kicked you out of your house says, hey, well, you can come work for me now, you know, to make the money. And then you go work for them. And it's literally you're doing this toxic work. You know, you're working with toxic chemicals with no masks, no PPE, no personal protection equipment, no gloves. Meanwhile, all the white scientists like Oppenheimer and his friends all have, you know, hazmat suits and all this stuff, you know, and if it was the one woman. um, Rosario Fiore, I think, or I, I, I apologize, I forget her name, but she was a the granddaughter of one of them, and um, she was the one that kind of started exposing, you know, what really happened. And I mean, when I found that out, you know, because that was something that was fairly new to me as well, um, but I found that out, you know, before the movie, you know, slightly before the movie came out. I mean, I'm, I was already kind of skeptical, but like, I don't know, like glorifying a guy that you know, essentially is responsible for killing millions of people. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. And I know they, they like, I, you know, friends have seen it. Well, they, they show that he wasn't the greatest guy, you know, they tried to, show, and it's like, well, it's still, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know. And then not to, not to compare him to Hitler, but you know, like I'm not going to run out and see a movie about Hitler. Either, but it's just me. <laughs> Well, I will now read to you a quote from me. Uh, you got me going down this path. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I read a lot of articles this morning on this subject, uh, and it, I owe it all uh, to Damien. Um, so uh, this is an article, I think it's from the Los, uh, L.A. Times, and they're quoting uh, uh, a descendant of the people who uh, lived in that, on the land, who were kicked out or radiated, or both. Uh, Quote, we were a sacrifice to our country's quest for nuclear superiority. They spread more than 10 pounds of plutonium across our area. Our government has never come back to sort out what happened to us. We're just collateral damage. Tying up the themes of the conversation today, so much lying and deceit and duplicity, so much covering up, and you wonder why 
good liberals out there who despise Trump. You wonder why MAGA believes all the BS Trump puts because mm-hmm. we're just barraged with BS all the time. And it's just a constant effort trying to discern what's the truth from what's not truth and to read through the gobbledygook of what they put out there. And so it's easy not to believe anything and you just believe what you want to believe. Collateral damage, Damien. Think about yeah. that. They're collateral damage. That's what they were, right? Yeah. Now they did the same thing in the Bikini Islands. Uh, where they tested the bomb out there and there were indigenous people on those islands that they just didn't care about. And they basically said, well, you got to move off of this island. Um, but they weren't moved that far and they still have problems. You know, there there's kids still within several years born with deformities because mm-hmm. of the radiation, you know, passed down and stuff like that. So, you know, but they don't, that's never talked about, you know, and that, you know, that kind of thing is just, um, you know, the hypocrisy of the U.S. government and our military and what we do, you know, it's, you know, not to go back to Hitler again, but it's like literally we're, we're, let's just say this, like, okay, here was a guy that was torturing people, putting them in concentration camps and doing the most, you know, absurd, horrible things to them. And then one of our responses, first off, we don't get involved at all until they bombed Hawaii, right? Until Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. And then what do we do? We dropped the biggest bomb on people that have ever, ever mm-hmm. has ever happened. And we just kill millions of people. So it's like, well, but wait, we weren't, we starting to stop somebody from killing millions of people. You know, no, and- we were not. Uh, I don't, I do not believe, I don't want to go down this path. I could spend two hours talking about why the United States entered uh, uh, the the second world war, but it was never about saving people who were being slaughtered by Hitler. I'll put that out there right now. Um, It, uh, there were a lot, we we were, the United States was bombed, Pearl Harbor was bombed by Japan. uh, And then uh, Germany declared a war on the United States as well. So it's sort of like, if Germany hadn't made that declaration, would the United States have declared a war against Germany? I don't Anyway, um, well, here's, I'll just sum it up. <laughs> so the, uh, the people, the Hispanos who lived in that area were effectively erased uh, by Oppenheimer and uh, General Groves and the U.S. government so that Los Alamos could be constructed. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then their erasure was erased from the movie, which is about what the making of the bomb that happened on the land. They were so it was like double erasure. And uh, it has tempered. I have to admit my enthusiasm for the movie Oppenheimer tremendously. Yeah. um, For just because I think he should have dealt with that. When I wonder why, like, I wonder if that was just something he specifically chose to omit. Did he not know about it or was he pressured? Did not- he in that sentence being Oppenheimer or Christopher uh, Nolan, the maker of the movie? Say that again. Christopher Chris- Nolan. I have no idea. You know, I, I, that would require more deep dive. Um, I have no idea. My, I mean, I can make several guesses. One, it's an enormous movie. It's three hours long. It's like, I can't put everything in it. So I'm just not going to put this in it. Right. Uh, you know, and or or it just it just happened like to trying to not really show how bad of a person Oppenheimer was. Like 
you know, because I was, yeah, and this is speaking from, so I have not seen it, but people told me, oh, they tried to show that he had regret for making it, but then he still made the, you know, or still worked on the project, even though he had regret or he was, you know, but it was like, if you really wanted to expose like what a bad character this guy was, I think you could have had a half an hour, you know, in the beginning showing him do this to these people, you know, but. I, I just feel like I wonder if it was it Nolan's decision or was he pressured, you know, by U.S. government? Like, hey, we don't want people to know that part of it, you know. I, I, my guess is is that they were so irrelevant. Those people who lived in that land were so irrelevant. Nobody even considered it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we're taking a modern sensibility, applying it to the world that existed in 1942. Uh, and, I mean, there I... They don't exist. There was vacant land in the New York Times. It was vacant land. Nobody lived there. And so right. it's like we're putting a sensibility that we've arrived at from years of reading about eminent domain battles in the city of Chicago, et cetera, and so forth. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I just don't think the people existed in the minds of Leslie Groves, who was the head of the program, who's, who was over Oppenheimer. I certainly don't think they existed in Oppenheimer's mind. Uh, and so they probably didn't exist in Christopher Nolan's mind either, with the man who made the movie. That's my yeah. guess. Um, all right. So we'll close with the question that I've been struggling with and get your uh, answer. Why is this movie so popular in America? It's more complicated, ladies and gentlemen, than a tax increment financing deal, okay? It's far <laughs> more complicated. You know, I'm like, I just my favorite thing, millennials, man, they like, they, they, they gobble up these Christopher Nolan movies that are so incredibly complicated and convoluted, but try to get them to understand how the government works. Then I'm tired. I don't pay attention. I'm so busy deciphering Christopher Nolan movies. Please mm -hmm. explain to me why this movie is doing so well. Because it, it had, it has alt, uh, amazing marketing. Um, and also the name behind it. I mean, it, it's Christopher Nolan. So obviously anything, any movie he puts out is going to, you know, garner attention. Right. Um, but the marketing of this movie, you know, while it was being made up until its release was, you know, very good. I mean, people were talking about it, you know, um, the main actor, too. You know, he's he's great. I mean, I love him in Peaky Blinders. Um, I, I always forget his name, but, you know, I'm talking about Murphy. Yes. And I think, you know, the combination of this, like, really good actor with Christopher Nolan, the hype around it. Um, that's I, I think that's what really drove it, you know, but it's all marketing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you have some marketing behind you and it's a well-made movie, it's going to be, you know, talked about. It's going to be the, you know, water cooler movie. All right. Well, I'm going to do a closest show with a, a, a nationalistic rant, uh, which I do from time to time. Uh, I do not know. I wanted to repeat this because it was said it uh, before the show we were talking, uh, talking about Oppenheimer and you were like, well, you like quantum physics. Why don't you want to see it? And I said, well, it's one of the things about, you know, science that kind of gets me is here we have, you know, this discovery of this fantastical mechanism of nature. And then the government says, well, cool. How do we weaponize that? Yeah. <laughs> how we turn it into a bomb that kills thousands? Yeah. 
like, look, we've discovered, you know, how God works. Okay, cool. How do we like make a laser out of that? You know, uh, you know what? I think that's a better uh, way to end the show than me with my typical nationalistic rant, which is, uh, might as well. I can't. This the obsession that filmmakers have with British actors, where they get British actors to play Americans when there's tons of American actors. So, okay, your your guy Murphy is a good actor. I. He's playing Robert Robert Oppenheimer, yeah. a New Yorker, a Jewish New Yorker. He's not Jewish. He's not New Yorker. He's not American. There's a a hundred actors in New York City who could have played this role. Don't get me started on the Fred Hampton movie where they got a Brit to play Fred Hampton. There's a hundred guys in Chicago who could have played that role. Name Fred. So I, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I'm like, don't get me started. I, I People go, Ben, you sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> it's just a little bit of Donald Trump in us all. All right, Damien, one more time. Tell folks where they can uh, listen to your show, uh, even if it means promoting that certain radio station that fired me uh, or promoting the Spotify version. Go ahead. It's uh, Think Theory Radio. If you Google it, you'll find uh, the links to Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. And if you want to hear it live, it's every Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. on WCBT A20 a.m. He's a super cool guy, Damien Perdue, and I urge everybody to check out his show, even if I can no longer listen to it because it's on that dreaded, dreaded radio station. No, I'm just kidding, uh, sort of. Anyway, thank you so much, Damien, uh, no. moving heaven and earth to come talk to me today. And I'm going to bring you back. We're going to do a deep dive on Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, okay. uh, that that's... I'll give you time to do some research on that. Yes, it, you should, because it's endlessly fascinating. It just... It's just a story that never ends. Jeffrey Epstein and everybody lying about him. All right, uh, Damien Perdue, thank you very much. I also want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job, as he always does. I think Damien and Robert Oppenheimer will agree with me when I say, producer Chris, give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And as always, if you want to look for more Ben Jarofsky content, it's real easy. Just head to chicagoreader.com. Follow The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram and like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.